0: Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you know you are always in the right place here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. If you're keeping track, this is episode number three hundred. I don't know. Play the numbers. Anyway, welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. The buzz is a quote from Paige Leidig from October of this year, and here's the quote. The importance of understanding the impact of competitors' social footprints compared to your own cannot be overstated you'll be in trouble quickly if you assume your only or biggest competition looks exactly like you aha there's a bunch of keywords in there mostly centering around the concept of competitor and then social footprints if you put those two together you've got our topic this is part 2 of a topic we recently covered actually October 24th just a few weeks ago on our wonderful series called changing the game with social selling and and the official title is Modern Competitive Analysis Remember social media. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and welcome, and let's get started with a little more background on the topic. All brands operate in a competitive global environment. Some ignore the competition. Is that you? We have listeners all over the world. Think about it. Are you saying, nah, I don't care about the competition. They could do whatever they want. We're strong. We have a great mission. We have great people. We have a great product or service, while others, is this you, go under the radar and spy to track the other. Other players in their field. Newcomers, established players, they want to know what's going on. Let's look at traditional wisdom. Traditional wisdom says strong knowledge about your competitive strengths and weaknesses positions you to make smarter marketing strategy decisions. Well, what we're talking about today is where can you find a lot of that meat and potatoes to put on the bones of competitive research and analysis? Think social. Think social selling, think social media. The information is there. Do you know exactly where to look, what to do with it, how to approach it? We're going to help you with that today. So welcome again. Let me tell you who my three special panelists are, and then we will get started with their opening quotes. First up, we are thrilled to welcome back Frank D. Geisler, CEO and CMO at ERP Sourcing, and he'll tell us again in a few minutes what his company does, and Frank is in Switzerland today. And we have Simon Duchenne, who is the founder and CEO at Oak 3S, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but he'll connect, correct me when he comes on. And rounding out the panel, we have a shout out to Kirsten Boyleau at SAP, who is, was the third person on this panel a few weeks ago. She's unable to join us, so in her place we have Jim Fields, head of customer storytelling at SAP, or at least he told me that story. So welcome, everybody. Let's get started. Frank Geisler sent me the following quote from Charlie Parker. Will you hear this. Charlie Parker, Jr., born in Kansas City and raised in Missouri, the only child of blah, blah, blah. That's not important. He started playing the saxophone at age 11. At 14, he joined the school band using a rented instrument. He became one of the most famous saxophone players and he was a developer of a new type of jazz called bebop and the Bebopers looked at the traditionalists in jazz and said oh you old moldy figs we don't want to deal with you but they started to take him seriously he is very famous so charlie parker said the following don't play the saxophone let it play you frank d geisler welcome back how have you been frank
2: i'm doing very well thanks for having me on the show again
1: We are delighted. I love the quote. Are you a fan of Charlie Bird Parker? Are you a fan of saxophone, bebop? Give me a little background on how you picked this wonderful quote, Frank, please.
2: Okay, definitely I am. And the reason is I was playing saxophone by myself uh, whilst I was in the 20s. And uh, I was playing the big one, the baritone saxophone uh, in, uh, in big bands. So my style is more Glenn Miller, Robbie Hancock, uh, other things, and for sure, Charlie Parker. And uh, I think there's a nice uh, uh, idea between our current topic about competitive, competitive uh, social, etc., and, and the saxophone.
1: Wow. Well, let's make that link a little clearer for our listeners. How does playing the saxophone have to do with mining, I'm going to say it, Frank, the gold in them, our hills, the gems, the wisdom that may be under the surface in terms of who your competitors are, what they're doing, what their style is, what you need to know to be a good competitor. How do we do that with the saxophone metaphor?
2: Yeah. these days it's not the saxophone it's different tools and uh, that statement uh, totally applies to what or how i have learned playing saxophone in the past because i spent hours days and days uh, to learn the instrument and this only gave me the tools but at the end if you're doing it on a regular basis the the instrument plays you and you can do the same these days like Charlie Parker, let's say, has invented the Bebop. Um, New tools are around in social listening, in social media. So, again, you have to learn these tools. You have to probably use them day in and day out. And there will be some point where you realize, wow, whatever you do with these tools, it comes, it plays you. You can use these tools to your best, best effort, I have to say.
1: Thank you very much. Very interesting. We're going to get into it a lot more and looking forward to hearing from you a little bit later about what your company does, what you've been up to since we spoke with you a few weeks ago. Thank you so much, Frank. And now let's go to Simon Deschen, founder and CEO at Oak 3S. Am I saying that right? Simon, Oak 3S, how do I pronounce your company?
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky uh, word that I built myself. It's Oak Trees, actually.
1: Oak threes. Thank you. Forgive me. Now, uh, Simon has sent us a quote from Mario Andretti. Wow. Mario Andretti, born in 1940. He's an Italian-born American, former racing driver, one of the most successful Americans in the history of the sport. Let me give you a couple stats here. Mario Andretti, one of only two drivers with races in Formula One, IndyCar, World Sports Car Championship, and NASCAR. He won races in midget cars, sprint cars. He won the 1978 Formula One World Championship, four Indy titles, and an IRO CVI, whatever that means. He is the only driver ever to win the Indianapolis 500 and the Formula One World Championship, and the only driver with one, Pablo Montoya, to have won a race in the NASCAR Cup Series, Formula One, and an Indianapolis 500, and on and on and on. His name is synonymous with speed. Here is the quote Simon has selected from Monsieur Andretti. Quote, if you have everything under control... You're not moving fast enough. I I love that. I'm picturing him on the racetrack going more and more, pushing that engine. Simon, welcome back. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Tell me about the quote. Yeah, I picked it because
3: um, we have uh, here in in Quebec, we have a special link to Formula One, uh, especially with uh, a father and uh, a son being two uh, famous Formula One drivers uh, as Gilles Villeneuve, maybe you know him, or uh, Jacques Villeneuve more recently. Uh, Gilles was uh, known as um, a driver, a racer, who who was taking a lot of risk. and I think competed uh, when I was really young against uh, Mario Andretti. And I... I got that quote, I I fell on it uh, and I I thought it was uh, fabulous because it represents uh, what we are living into the professional world. And what I mean by (laughs) what I saw underneath that quote is that you have to get out of your comfort zone to be able to improve and learn. Mm -hmm. And related to our topic today, Means that if you're not put into uh, competition and if you don't look at your competitors' uh, strategy, uh, you will not improve. So that's why I picked it.
1: Thank you very much. Very very well taken. Are you a big fan? Do you have you followed Mario Andretti? Have you seen any of his, his races in recent years before he retired, Simon?
3: Yeah, well, I did. Well, a long time ago because he, he's retired since. Um, since a while, uh, but I'm, I'm not that much a big fan of Formula 1 and car racing. I, I was uh, when our local driver were, were there, were on, on the scene.
1: Thank you very much. Simon, delighted to have you back. And and uh, when we get to our What's in Your Cup Today segment, I will ask you as well to tell us what Oak 3s does. So we're looking forward to that. Thank you. And now we're welcoming back a gentleman who has not been on Game Changers in way too long, Jim Fields. I'm talking to you. It's been a couple of years. Jim is sitting in for Kirsten Boyleau, who had some family business to take care of. And we do a shout out and a hug to Kirsten. I hope she's able to listen. Jim, as I said earlier, is the head of customer storytelling at S.A. Or that's the story he told me before the show. Uh, Jim is going to use the quote Kirsten has selected, and I have to give you a little background. This is a very well-known quote. It's long. I'll read only a part of it, but it's popping up in books everywhere. I found it quoted in Stan Cronin's How to Date Your Wife. Yes, seriously. In Pat Williams' book, Extreme Winning, and in Rajan Parulakar's book, Contextual Selling, A New Paradigm for the 21st Century, and some of these books say that this quote was seen in a plaque on a wall somewhere. So, I'm not sure of the original source, but this is a good one. Listen up. My competitors do more for me than my friends. <laughs> I don't need time. What I need is a deadline. My competitors are diligent, efficient, and attentive and would take my business away from me if they could. They keep me alert. They force me to search for new ways to improve my products and services. If I had no competitors, I would be lazy, incompetent, and inattentive. I need the discipline they force upon me. I salute my competitors. They've been good to me. They make and keep me strong." That's a heck of a quote. Jim Fields, welcome back. How are you? I'm great, Bonnie. Thank you very much. And um,
4: You could substitute the word spouse, or in my case, wife, for competitor and still have that quote make sense, because I (laughs) am pretty lazy and competent and inattentive, and I need the discipline that (laughs) she forces upon me, so... Jim, this is not true. That, like, this
1: is not true confessions with storyteller Jim. <laughs> this is coffee break with game. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. And welcome. Thanks for stepping in where we're delighted to have you here. So tell me something. Uh, now that I've, I've forced this quote upon you and, and you've related it to real life, how does this work out? We're talking competitors. We're talking social selling. Why don't you give us your interpretation of what this means in the context of using, as I said, the gold in them, hills of social to become alert and better as a competitor? what 's your thought, Jim?
4: yeah, and I think um, the Mario Andretti quote really captures it right um, because things have never moved as fast as they move now, and they 'll never move as slowly as they do today right so and that 's all driven by competition and increasingly um, you know as you 've documented through the, the this this um, series of radio programs, more and more of that is happening. Online and in online and digital and social conversations. Um, and competitors do keep us sharp because if you're not, um, you know, in tune with where the competition's coming from and what they're doing, you know, it's an old cliche that you can be disrupted by them and find yourself out of business before you even realize it. So I think it's important, it's very important to look at. Um, you know, how do you leverage social media, social tools, social listening tools, social benchmarking tools to understand you know what what 's happening with your competitors, what they 're saying about the market, what they 're saying about you, and then think about what that means in terms of how it shapes what you then do and how that informs your strategy. I think a failing strategy is um, to let your competitors dominate how you make decisions, but I think they need to be an important input into, you know, how you develop your, your strategy and ha- how you then implement it through digital and social um, uh, channels.
1: Thank you, Jim. Is is this a reason for companies that are not really spending a lot of time on social? Is this a reason, this type of a quote, for them to say, whoa, we're missing something? This is easy stuff. We'll assign somebody 30 minutes a day. We'll put this in part of our, our, uh, our mantra of our weekly get-together meetings, what did you learn about our competitors on social? We might bring in somebody for some training and enablement. Is this a wake-up call, Jim, to companies that are saying, nah, I don't want people wasting their time on LinkedIn and Facebook what do we have to gain is this a new way of looking at the value of social what's your thought I'm gonna go around the table and ask uh, Frank and Simon as well what do you think Jim
4: yeah I do think it's important um, and, and you know the whole concept of social selling has now become one of the most important tools in in the toolbox right because there's really two levels when you look at this one is at the brand and corporate level right and how do you um, use the insights that you can gain from understanding what your competitors are doing to inform your own strategy. But at the um, at the social selling level, where I'm an account executive in the field, the more I can understand my competitor, what they're doing, and what they're doing in the accounts that I want to penetrate or protect uh, is as important as, you know, understanding the product I have to sell and so forth. And, um, uh, you know, I think, The, you know, we had talked in previous years about social selling being in a missionary phase, and uh, Mm -hmm. I think now it's very much, um, as I said, one of the most important tools in in the toolbox.
1: Thank you, Jim. And now let's turn back around the table to Frank Geisler. Frank, what's your thought? Is this a wake up call for companies that have been what we'll call laggards or reluctant to get involved in social rather than, well, social selling, we got to be there? It could be more. We better know what the competitors are doing as a way of getting involved. What's your thought?
2: You know, Bonnie, I'm I'm based in Switzerland. I'm German and Swiss together. And uh, if I compare uh, the status of how companies use social selling techniques, social media, et cetera, I think we all together, Europeans, are behind what what's currently going on in the U.S. and Canada. So... Mm. I think there are more laggards, definitely more laggards over here, Um, but the ones who use these techniques successfully are way ahead, and I would say the European market is picking up speed, definitely, but it will take time, so I would say uh, wherever you are at the moment, at the end of 2017, the Europeans might be end of 2018, if not 2019, so... For us, and I'm working for a mid-sized company with about 50 Mm -hmm. people, it's very important already to have a well-set and well-defined social selling strategy, including competitive listening, because for us at the moment, it's a big differentiator from our competition. So the sooner you go there, the better you will work it out and the better you can distinguish from your own competition in the market. I think it's a big benefit if you do it now.
1: Wow. That was, that was a, a great, uh, almost a mission statement that everybody could embrace. Thank you very much, Frank. And, and I'm going to ask the same question to Simon, and then we'll circle back and find out exactly where you are and what you are drinking today. Simon Duchenne, what's your observation? What's your thought? Do you agree or disagree with what Frank and Jim said about the importance of, and I love the term, Frank, just used, social listening?
3: Yeah, I totally uh, agree with um so with with France, that uh, it's, it's maybe uh, ahead in, in the US and also in Canada but I'm, I'm a bit in the same situation as Europe being in the French part of Canada here we're the dragons um, but we what I'm seeing at the moment in the market um, I'm doing business uh, with uh, the small and medium companies and when you see those companies uh, looking for new solutions to, to be ahead or to compete, uh, to, to just follow their competitors. It's, um, it's a, it's a, it's a sound, <laughs> it's a, it's a sound check that, um, you know, that reflects, uh, the fact that they, they need the new techniques and that social selling is really the way to go. And we're being asked now. Uh, can, can we improve can we uh, implement social selling strategy in our company so that was not there like uh, a few years ago so yeah thank definitely it's, it's coming
1: good thank you very much good observation now Frank Geisler where are you in that part of the world I think you're in Switzerland today and what are you drinking if it's interesting if not what kind of drink really makes you really sharp and feeling ready to tackle the world Frank
2: Okay, um, yes, uh, I'm based uh, in the outskirts of Zurich, and uh, last time, you know, I had this strange drink, red wine and raw egg. Now, this time it's a different one, and here in Switzerland, we are nine hours ahead, so it's 5.30 p.m., so I'm having a a nice drink, it's called Skinny Bitch. I hope I can say this here on the radio.
1: <laughs> you just did. But I've, it's I've not, heard of it. You're definitely not talking about anybody on the call. I know that. So go no, ahead. No, no,
2: no, no, no. And, <laughs> and now if you Google it, you'll find the standard one, which is vodka, soda, and lime. But that's not what I have. I have a very special one, a healthy smoothie. It's cocoa water, kiwi, raspberry, strawberry, blueberry, matcha, and hemp seed. And this gives me the power and strength of a long day uh, uh, to sustain and even uh, dial with more activities over the upcoming few hours into the
1: evening. I have to tell you, Frank, it's the name of a book as well. It's a diet book written by former modeling agent Rory Friedman and former model Kim Barnuin. And it sold better than expected. It was a bestseller in the U.K. in 2007 and in the U.S. the same year. And they ran more than 10,000 copies. And, Simon, it sold very well in Canada. It was promoting a vegan diet and sections on factory farming and animal cruelty. And they say you should avoid smoking alcohol. There you there goes the drink, Frank. Avoid smoking alcohol, caffeine, aspartame, and refined sugar. We'll just leave that one alone. Your drink sounds a lot more fun. <laughs> really? <laughs> and then the book, I'm thank sorry. You. So thank you very much. That's interesting. We'll just leave that one alone. Uh, you always come up with interesting drinks, Frank. We'll have to have you back in the new year and see what's in your cup then. Thank you. Simon Deschen, where are you today? And Mr. Oak Threes, and what do you love to drink?
3: Well, I have to say that Frank is putting the bar really high <laughs> with his drinks um uh yeah I'm having a bulletproof coffee uh, my version of it I don't know if you um, uh, you, you know the recipe it's uh, from um, a U.S uh, nutritionist that is uh, named uh, Dave Asprey but I it's my own version of it' it's, uh, it's a double espresso actually with uh, organic jeep uh, butter and uh, one tablespoon of uh, coconut oil so um, it's it's really powerful. Uh, usually, I have two in the morning, one before my mo- morning run, and one after. So I'm at my second cup at the moment. So it's, it keeps me really uh, running the whole day and uh, gives a lot of energy. And it's really good for people who are intolerant to milk as well.
1: Ah, tell me again what the name of the drink is. You're you're sounding a little bit muffled. So what was the name of the drink again, Simon?
4: bulletproof
1: coffee Oh yes but I had a feeling when you said coconut yes bulletproof coffee we no. haven't had anybody mention that in a long time there is a a following I'm looking it up, Bulletproof Coffee. There is a following of people who swear by this and then there are people who say, yeah. nah, it's, uh, there's, it's, there's a blog, Bulletproof Coffee and how to make it. And let's see, it's gorgeous. High performance drink, massive impact on energy and cognitive function. Everybody from CEOs to professional athletes to parents increase their energy. It starts with the beans. It's coffee, a bulletproof coffee beans with a French press, then two tablespoons of brain octane oil. Okay. Okay, and then one to two tablespoons of grass-fed unsalted butter or grass-fed ghee, G-H-E-E. Mix it in a blender, foamy, frothy latte, and down the hatch. Thank you. We haven't had that mentioned. As soon as you said, yeah, coconut oil, I knew what you are talking about. Thank you, Simon. Drink up. And Mr. Jim Fields, who joined us on the spur of the moment about 20 minutes ago. Jim, where in the world are you today, and what do you love to drink?
4: So, Bonnie, since last time I spoke with you, I have moved back to the great city of New York. And oh, I am coming to you from the SAP uh, office on the fiftieth floor of Number Ten Hudson Yards, which is a new yes. development on the far west side of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And I think I can see Port Washington from here. So, if you want to go up on your roof and wave, I, I will. Jim, um,
1: I left. Have I left my on-
4: nose on you.
1: You Jim, did? I left on August 27th, and I moved to Durham, North Carolina. So I'm not going to be on a rooftop anytime soon. But thank you for the shout or, out.
4: Sorry about that. This, this, That's this okay. We haven't connected in a while. We we should stay in touch better. And I am uh, drinking uh, New York City tap water, which is, as you know, the best tap water in the U.S. If not the world, comes from the uh, pristine mountains of the Catskills upstate.
1: And that sounds good. They say that, uh, that New York City water in all the boroughs is actually good. When I was in Great Neck, which is the western part, as you know, of Nassau County, we were told not to drink the tap water. So I used a Brita filter, which I brought with me actually here. I don't know how safe, how uh, healthy the water is down here, but. I'm just drinking it with Brita Filter. Uh, so thank you for the good memories, and I'm glad you're enjoying your your water while Frank and Simon do something a little more, uh, shall we say, poetic in, in their cups today. Uh, I have to do a shout-out again to Kirsten Boyla. We miss you. We hope everything is okay, Kirsten, and if you are listening, we are thinking of you. And as the three of you know, they do not let me anywhere near caffeine. On radio show days, but I will admit I went to a, a coffee, the ladies in the neighborhood of coffee once a month, and today was the day I was there much earlier, and I did have a decaf something, and it was delicious. So there's probably a very small trace of caffeine in my system, but basically let's just stick with, I'm drinking cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with a pink straw because it is a gorgeous sunny day here in Durham, North Carolina. But and I. Think in North
4: Carolina, they don't call it coffee.
1: I don't call it coffee either. (laughs) Thank you for that, Jim. Thank you for the accent. We are talking about something very important, modern competitive analysis, and I put a question mark after that. Are you thinking about it? Are you doing it the modern way? Well, the modern way is social media, social selling, social listening. We have a lot more to talk about when we come back after the break. My very special guests, all very smart, are Frank D. Geisler at ERP Sourcing, and we will talk about your company a little bit more Frank and Simon Deschamps at Oak 3's. We'll talk about yours as well. And Jim Fields, he's just going to keep on doing his storytelling. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. 90 seconds. Count them along with us. We'll be right back. Aaron out. Here we are. We're back and we're talking about modern competitive analysis, keyword competitive and modern, meaning social media, social selling, social listening. Special guests, Frank D. Geisler, Simon Duchenne and Jim Fields. And we're going to get started with some statements from Frank Geisler. But Frank, give us a 60-second overview, ERP sourcing your company. What exactly do you do?
2: Okay. Uh, thanks for the introduction. It's Pretty easy, if you take the name ERP and sourcing, all we do is we take care for ERP solutions and we are outsourcing and hosting these products as well as applications all around business projects and we are solely focused on SAP solutions including S4HANA, HANA, HANA, etc., etc., you name it.
1: Thank you. Now, let's look at your statements here, and you say, this is interesting. We're talking about which companies are on board, which have a social strategy, and which don't. You say, we are best, ignore the rest. This statement is said and done on a regular basis because companies refuse to make additional investments, and Frank says, it can be a fatal error, especially if there is fierce competition and a little difference can have a huge impact. Frank, please tell us more. Very powerful statement.
2: Uh, Yeah, thank you. Um, I I mentioned earlier that uh, Europe, the companies are behind in general, not all companies, but in general they are behind. So the first thing is companies realize they have to do something on their social strategy. If they do it, then they first focus on the sales level. So they bring or they try to bring that message down to the sales level, uh, tell the salespeople how to use, what to do, but uh, in principle, they don't start with a competition because they feel if we are doing it on the sales level, if we are first in the European market especially, we are best anyway. And this is why I hear this statement quite often from, from other marketeers, we are the best, ignore the rest. And I think it's, it's really fatal because if you do not listen to your competitors, if you do not check and use the social tools, you are missing a big part. And it could, it could delay sales. Um, it could also have an impact on, uh, uh, on the product side. So why wouldn't you go around and check the competition with social tools and see what new products they might bring on the market? And then if you can, adjust your own product strategy.
1: It's, it sounds so simple the way you put it, Frank. Let me just ask you before I ask Simon to chime in and then Jim Fields, how much time are we talking about? Companies say, well, you, you talked about the investment. It's not just money. It's time. It's training. It's making sure people know where to look and how to do it and what kinds of data to look for and how to get the, the, the meat out of the data, how to pull those gems so that you can have a perspective for being a fiercer competitor. How much time should a company plan to invest in social listening, and social competitive analysis. Frank, just a quick overview, and then I'll have everybody talk about that.
2: Yeah, I think that strongly depends on how big is your market, how large is your company, how many resources can you afford, and then how many competitors are around, because for sure, you will not have the time to check all of them. I would suggest you pick the top three, maybe five if you can afford it, and then on a regular basis... Check what they are doing. Uh, I have realized a lot of companies just do it once, uh, once a week, once a month, even in those things. It's not sufficient. You have to do it on a regular basis.
1: Thank you very much, Simon Deschen. Before you start commenting, Simon Oak Threes, tell us what you do, and then we'd love for you to dive in on Frank's topic. Go ahead.
3: Uh, well, Oak trees is offering uh, smart social selling uh, services, which means social selling services to small and medium companies. Um, when when it comes to uh, small and medium companies uh, you know, in the B2B market, usually they don't have a huge um, marketing um, department, so they don't have a lot of resources. So we found that it's pretty uh, useful for them to, to start with social selling. With an outside resource like ours to implement and to run the program for and the methodology for, let's say, six months in the first year before they go out there themselves. This is what we do.
1: Okay, thank you. Now, thoughts on the head in the sand ostrich policy? We're the best; ignore the rest. We don't care what the competition is doing. And how much time should be invested in making social listening a reality and a pop up a positive and regular practice for your company? All of the above, Simon.
3: Yeah, I I, I totally agree with uh, French Frank uh, just said. Um, what I would add to that um, would be to to. Not forget to to analyze your the individuals that the people that are related to your competition, meaning the companies that you're you're picking. So again, uh, I would pick the same method as Frank I just said. I would take a sample of people, the the influencers. I would spot the leaders, the sale leaders, and yeah, and frequently, uh, meaning depending again. And, uh, on the size of the market and the resources you have, you need to do a check of what they're posting and what, how they react and how they interact with uh, the market and
4: their audiences.
1: Thank you very much. Jim Fields, time for you to weigh in. What do you think? All the above.
4: So when I knew I was going to be on this uh, call, uh, the show... Luckily, the social media team, a number of their uh, members sit within arm's length of where I sit. So I grabbed them and I said, hey, w- what's your take on this topic? And one of the things they really stressed is um, to take advantage of the tools that exist. The, and there's, there are automated tools, for example, from Sprinklr, mm. where you can do a couple of things. You can benchmark yourself against... In the in the social realm, against uh, your competitors, and see um, what your level of engagement is versus theirs, and how often you're posting about certain topics versus theirs, and also there's an, you know automated social listing that will mm-hmm. alert you when, um, for example, a competitor mentions you in one of their mm-hmm. online channels. So the, the, those kinds of tools are there and available to anybody, and they're not. Um, you know, they're not beyond the reach of even small companies. And so I would, I would strongly urge people to look at, you know, what's out there that could help automate this. Because um, as Frank said earlier, um, you know, you need to do it on an ongoing basis. But if you try and do it manually, you know, two things happen. One is you don't do it consistently, and two is it's a lot of work. Um, So I think it would definitely be worth looking at investing in some of those automated tools that exist.
1: Great idea. Thank you very much. Yes, time to bring that word automation in there. Frank, this was your topic. I'm going to let you wrap it up very briefly. Any comments on what Simon and Jim had to say before I move on to some statements from Simon? Go ahead, Frank.
2: Yeah, we, we talked about resources, and I think it's not the tools itself, despite you have to learn these tools first or to make yourself familiar if you don't have a clue about them. It's more about the time you need to spend on this. And uh, when I said earlier you need to do it on a regular basis, for example, in our small two uh, team, uh, we spend at least one hour per day to just look what competition is done.
1: Thank you very much. Getting it down to the bare bones minimum there. Sounds very doable. Simon Deschenes, I'm looking at your notes here. You sent me almost a handbook on how to do this. You say from B2B sales point of view... Do this competitive social listening with five to 10 competitors, depending on the market size. Know who you're competing with individually and their strengths. How many are on LinkedIn? How many are on Twitter? Research the type of content they publish and share. Uh, look for their field strategy. Are they participating at trade shows, networking events, charity events? Fascinating. You basically have written the handbook here, Simon. So Simon, out of all of the, pieces I just read from your notes, and thank you so much for that. What should be in the top, either the reason or the top methodology you use? Is it finding out, are they on LinkedIn and Twitter? Is it looking for the events they're attending and preparing for? Where would you want to focus energy? Let's say the top three ways to do it. Simon?
3: Well, it's really hard to pick only one I think that uh, the um, the success of, of the recipe is to be uh, to be able to to stand um, a few of your competitors the leaders and to um, to really pick what uh, what they, they are doing best you know and to align on this as well and and my uh, the main concern I have is is because usually we we look at the value proposal and w- when it comes to sales for b two b sales for example they we have our distinctions into the market. we have our value proposal, and we have our mission statement. but we want to know uh, where uh, what what makes our customers or our prospects bleed I mean what are their struggling mm-hmm. points what are their challenges and and I found it really useful to use the. Social listening to be really accurate on what are the challenges of our target market using our competitors' uh, competitors' analysis.
1: You know, that it's it another. sounds, Simon, like it's so obvious. It's there. It's right there. They're tweeting. They're posting. They're blogging. They're on LinkedIn. They're updating their profiles, maybe Instagram, maybe even Pinterest. They're posting. So I guess you need to know how to identify them who they are as individuals, the salespeople, the social selling, social media team, the leaders of the company. So is that the first part of the research you do on your competition is to figure out how they identify themselves, the hashtags and the handles? What's your quick thought on that before we get uh, with Jim and Frank to weigh in?
3: That's how they identify themselves is really important, how they build their own profile. But, it's, you know, the, I look at how the, the um they communicate with their own clients, and and really the, the most important thing is to to be able to, to show that you are conscious of about the challenges of your own audience. And really, the first thing I, I do is I look at the composition, the the, the the way they build their own profile. Of course, I I, I have to find the people. We have to find the people. Mm-hmm. and our competition, but we, we look at the way they communicate to address their own customers' problems. So this is really the first, the starting point
1: for us. Thank you very much. Just want to get down to the practical drill down here for our audience, and uh, Jim Fields, love to get your thoughts on on this little handbook that Simon has uh, prepared for us in his notes. What are your thoughts? Anything you want to add, agree or disagree?
4: Yeah, I would emphasize the point that you just made about listening, that it's there, right? People are being fairly transparent in how they uh, communicate, you know, through social channels, and it's there for the taking, for the analyzing, you know, um, and too many people, you know, fail to, I think, appreciate that. It's kind of like free research, if you want to look at it that way, Um So, you know, I I would recommend to people, if they're not doing it already, they should get started. And I I think also there's probably a little bit of a distinction between what kind of a company you are, what kind of a brand you are, right? B2C would be very different, potentially, than than B2B. Um, And you see a lot of the B2B firms can be somewhat more, I don't know, playful might be a good word, than you would expect, you know, the voice of of a B2B company to be.
1: Thank you very much. Very well put. Frank Geisler, I'd love to get your thoughts out on the table here.
2: Yeah, I would even go a step further. Rather than just only listening, which might be a good start, I think you should start acting. And if I say acting, for example, um, if you have one competitor who is not uh, three times bigger than yourselves, maybe on the same size or smaller, you can apply one of the, um, let's say, uh, war statements of Sun Tzu. I don't want to dive into detail here, but you could define your sales tactics based on what, Sun Tzu has suggested. So if you have a smaller competitor, you could steal one of their hashtags. If you find out they're using one, one ah. of these hashtags, which you could use as well, and you have enough people, power, and resources and tools, why not taking these hashtags and using this for your own benefit?
1: I love it. Why not? And and it's very interesting you would mention that, because we uh, we use the handle... At SAP Radio, and there is a radio station that plays an ethnic kind of music. I think yep. it's in the South Islands, and they pop up every month or every other month with promotions for their radio station right here. Oh, they use hashtag SAP radio, just like ours, and they're right. playing music from Africa, Ghana. I'm looking at now, at now and today they were posting, and I said to them about a year ago, do you have to use hashtag SAP radio? Because we're using that for serious, I think we're serious, business conversation from SAP, and They basically said to me in not so polite language, "Leave us alone. Go away. Mind your own business. We'll use whatever hashtag we want." Now we're not competitors, obviously, Frank, but I find it interesting to find their music promotions popping up on Sprinkler in my dashboard under the hashtag of SAP Radio. That's
2: a. And you see, you 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 know what? It's called SAP Radio Austria. So it's a European company who obviously realized how to steal a foreign hashtag. <laughs>
1: Thank you for that. Yes, it is. That's right, and, and yes, very, very interesting. And and their stuff is is fascinating. It's uh, it's a. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yes, SAP Radio One. They're using the handle SAP Radio One, SAP Radio Austria with a with a registered trademark after it, and they're using our hashtag at uh, handle SAP Radio. So they've got us coming and going. They certainly do. Very interesting, uh, Simon. This was your topic, and we're very appreciative. Anything you want to wrap up on this one before I Pick one comment from Jim Fields' notes. No, I think it's pretty well said. I, I, I'll leave it uh, to uh, to Jim. Thanks. Okay, thank you very much. Jim Fields, these are notes from Kirsten who couldn't be with us, but here's something very interesting. This is a topic that could have its own entire radio show. Frank is, is tweeting, more characters available for tweeting uh, at SAP Radio. Thank you, Frank. Yes, I was complaining. It's hard to fill a tweet now. I, I like the 140 characters. I, I got so used to that over the years. So Jim is going to talk about the following statement. I'm often asked how to respond to negative comments from competitors on articles or blogs. This is Kirsten talking, of course. But, Jim, this is a very interesting topic, um, engaging in conflict online, especially in a, um, I won't use the word, but it starts with P and ends with G, and it's got seven letters in it, blank, 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 contest online. What are your thoughts, Jim, from you, your experience and the people you know in social selling and social listening? Do you ever engage in a, well, that's not true, and you said this about me, do you keep it off the size? Do you put the gloves on? Do you take the gloves off? What's your thought? Jim?
4: I would like to invoke a quote from Michelle Obama who said, when they go low, we go high. And I think ah. um, that's the only way to handle those kinds of things. Um, don't get pulled into the mud. Um, you, you know, it, it, takes, it takes decades to build brand equity, and, you know, you don't want to destroy it in days, which can, can happen and has happened. Um, so I think, you know, people's people's behavior in online forums kind of does reflect the culture of that company. And so, to be classy, to stay above the fray in terms of not getting into a, let's call it mudslinging, instead of the mm,
1: I like that better. Um, Thank you,
4: <laughs> contest <laughs> lady, super um, lady. Well. Now, I do think I do think there are opportunities to. If there are factual inaccuracies that people are propagating, I think it's perfectly fine to correct the record in in that regard. Um, but you, you, you know, it's kind of the last refuge of a scoundrel, if you will, to start bashing someone who's you know in a leadership position or um, you know it represents their lack of confidence in their own in their own competitive position is how I would interpret that. So I say when they go low, we go high.
1: I like that very much. Frank Geisler, thoughts on that one?
2: Uh, I totally agree because it's all about reputation and you don't want to get into these fights, at least not on, on official media, right? You still could do it in one and one or uh, uh, let's say if you're on a talk show, uh, in, a hidden, in a hidden room, you, can, you still can do a fight, but not in the official, let's call it social room or rooms. I would not recommend that. So, but
4: here, let me jump in there for one second because this thought just occurred to me, right? And this is how, as you said, in the one on one, if I'm an account executive, for example, and I, I'm in a competitive deal um, against a known competitor, I can actually use my knowledge of how they're bashing me online to set traps for them in that competitive situation, right? I can tell the executive that I'm selling to, you know, when company B comes in, they're going to tell you this, they're going to tell you that, and essentially set a trap that they then walk into that then gives me much more credibility um, with with that, um, you know, with that decision maker than if I had gone ahead and tried to, you know, um, criticize my com- competition. Hmm.
1: Who wants to Great comment example. on that? Yeah, it is, Simon. Do you want to comment on that? We have just well, we're actually in our crystal ball predictions round. But Simon, I'll give you sixty seconds. You want to say anything about uh, engaging in conflict online?
3: Yeah, I think it's totally uh, the, the normal way of doing it. I mean, uh, when they go low, we go high. Totally agree with it. Uh, being calm and handling, um, you know, very spicy situation uh, offline. That's for sure.
1: Thank you very much. Good, good conversation. Glad I brought that one up before we were over. Frank D. Geisler, it's time for your crystal ball prediction. I have 60 seconds with your name on them, so why don't you tell us what's the future of using social media, social listening, social selling, social awareness for competitive analysis? Let's focus on 2020. What will change between now and then, if anything? Frank Geisler, it's all yours.
2: Okay, I think that will change a lot till 2020. It's a lot of time. And as I mentioned during the start, we have a lot of cultural issues. Europe is behind. And if I look, for example, into the German-speaking countries, then we have more conservative behavior at the moment. So the typical statement is live and let live by these companies or they think the stronger will win. But I I think in the future, probably James Bond will, will chime in and uh, <laughs> rather than live and let live, we will have live and let die become reality. So we'll see probably a lot of companies fail if they don't apply these new strategies.
1: Ba-ba-bum, ba-ba-bum, Sorry. <laughs> <I had to. laughs> as soon as you said live and let live, I'm thinking that the, the melody is, is coursing through my veins here, not very clearly, obviously. Simon Duchenne, 60 seconds predictions, please go ahead.
3: Yeah, I see a lot more in our markets here. I see a lot more companies, uh, small and medium companies, involved. I see a lot more. executives aware of what is social selling and what is social listening because it's not, it's not there yet in uh, the uh, common language. I see a better understanding about the strategy and also better uh, tools to consolidate the the whole and. Um, uh, a bunch of work that we need to do on social, uh, on social
1: media. Very well put. Thank you, Jim Fields. I saved 60 seconds for you. What do you see in the future? Go ahead.
4: Thanks, Bonnie. I will predict that crowdsourced opinion sites will become increasingly important venues for people who make uh, large-scale decisions um, for their business because it's a way for the, let's say, the users of that product to have an unvarnished uh, voice um, to the market. And it's a place for people who are making decisions about that ca- category of product to go and um, you know, see those opinions without the influence or filtering of you know the suppliers of those products. So I think by 2020, you will see that be... Um, a huge input into how people make decisions about major purchases.
1: Thank you. Very interesting. By the way, have you seen the uh, the TV show where Jeremy Piven stars in it uh, about a gentleman who starts a crowdsourcing search engine? He has a whole staff, and they try to solve crimes, which the LA Police Department is too happy about. But they put out a picture or a word or something about a crime, and the crowd becomes the detectives and posts whether they saw the person. Their system is called Sophie, Sophi S O P H I, but it's called Wisdom of the Crowd. Jim, have you seen the show or anybody? Frank I have or not, uh,
4: but that's a good. Great- that's a great example of that, you know, of using crowdsourced intelligence.
1: Very, very it interesting. It will
2: only show up in Europe in probably two or three years.
1: Uh, we'll, we'll try and send you a Netflix link. I, I certainly hope so. It's it's fa- The concept is fascinating. It's taken a lot of criticism from the TV critics. Of course it did. Anything new does. But it, the concept of this real-time sourcing of information from people who suddenly care because they are on social media, because they become united through some kind of common purpose that they didn't even know they had until they had the option to do it through this program. I, I find it fascinating. Fascinating. I hope the series is on just because I think it's talking about the future. It's time for us Earth to close Veganic, this party. Yeah, quick, real fast, 30 seconds.
4: That u- a company in Japan that uses mobile devices to monitor earthquake activity. Think about how cool that is.
1: Wow, and I hope I'm not in the path of any of those. Thank you very much. Frank D. Geisler, ERP Sourcing. Such a pleasure, Frank. Simon DeShannon, oak Trees. As well, Simon and Jim Fields, thank you so much. Frank Fields is a weatherman in New York. I won't say that. Jim Fields, thank you for sitting in for Kirsten last minute. You were great as always. Shout out to Aaron at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Get ready, everybody, starting December 6th and December 13th, the first two weeks of our 2018 prediction special. I'm bringing you five weeks of predictions from about 80 thought leaders, all of whom have appeared on our radio shows, all of our Game changer shows during the year 2017. We've filled the calendar in less than 24 hours, and I have five weeks of two-and-a-half-minute predictions on the clock. You are going to be amazed, as always. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a Game Changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye.